Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. In Psalm 35, we find David in the midst of another distressing situation, this time in the context of a courtroom scene where the wicked are standing against him, accusing him, and David is pleading with the Lord, the righteous judge, to be his advocate, to fight for him. And this imprecatory psalm is one where he is asking the Lord to deliver him, to save him, and we know that we can pray this against the world and flesh and devil because we ultimately don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, rulers of darkness. And as Paul says in Romans 12, 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. David is pleading with God to be that contender, that avenger. And so we understand God himself fighting for his people, being their salvation, especially in times of injustice and oppression. Psalm 35. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me, without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it, to his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation." All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him? Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother, as one who laments his mother I bowed down in mourning. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing, like profane mockers at a feast. They gnash at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng I will praise you. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause, for they do not speak peace, but are against those who are quiet in the land. They devise words of deceit, they open wide their mouths against me, they say, aha, aha. Our eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Lord. Be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. 
Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God, and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Aha, our heart's desire. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. This psalm reminds us of the paths of blessing and destruction. Surely that path of destruction is intended for the wicked, those who continue along this path. It consists, as David declares, of shame and dishonor, being turned back, being disappointed. For those who devise evil, they are like chaff driven out. Their way is dark and slippery. They have hid a net that he prays for God to reverse these traps that they have set for him. David's declaring his innocence in this. We know David was not innocent completely, but in this case, he is saying, I have not done it. These wicked come against me. But even more significantly than just being enemies of David, these wicked are enemies of God and of his people. It's important that we make the distinction of those who are simply enemies of us and enemies of God. Whereas if we have somebody who cuts us off in traffic, we may be tempted to go ahead and start praying an imprecatory psalm against them. That's not the purpose of this psalm, but to pray against the wickedness and evil in the land of injustice and unrighteousness, that God's glory would be magnified, unhindered from the workings of iniquity, that people would taste of the blessing life, not of the destroyed life. Spurgeon comments and says, Viewing sinners as men, we love them and seek their good. But regarding them as enemies of God, we cannot think of them with anything but detestation and a loyal desire for the confusion of their devices. No loyal subject can wish well to rebels. I'm going to read that again. No loyal subject can wish well to rebels. Squeamish sentimentality may object to the strong language here used, but in their hearts, all good men wish confusion to mischief makers. I love that, and I think it's powerful in considering first what Spurgeon argues that we have to love sinners and seek their good as men. We are called to love our enemies, pray for them, to seek peace and pursue it. But what we often don't realize is the complementary truths that love is then joined to truth. We must speak truth, not love at the expense of truth. We have to pray for our enemies, that they would repent, that they would see good, that they would trust in the Lord. But we also pray for God's righteousness to be upheld. We seek peace, but we are also called, thinking of passages like Micah 6.8, to seek justice. Justice and peace are not opposites. They are compliments. We also know ultimately from this psalm, the wicked will not escape justice. God's justice will be done. What's also amazing to me about this psalm is David shows 
and undeserved kindness in this psalm towards his enemies. And we don't always see that in the imprecatory psalms. Often he is just praying for God's righteousness and vindication, but he actually talks about what he does when his malicious witnesses, again the courtroom scene, are sick. What did he do? He wore sackcloth. He afflicts himself with fasting. He prays and he grieves as if they're family members, even a brother or a mother. It's amazing that David cares that much even to pray for, to grieve over the sorrow of the wicked around him. That's very instructive to us in finding this balance between love and truth, justice and peace, that we are to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, blessing those who curse us, and praying for those who mistreat us, Luke 6, 27 through 28, that's never nullified, while at the same time recognizing Jesus himself prayed these imprecatory psalms. But what ultimately this court case should make us think about is a New Testament court case, where one who was truly innocent was brought up on charges that were made up. Psalm 69 verse 4 is also going to remind us of this, quoted more uh, specifically in that gospel, and we see how God is not blind. He is not just looking on as the psalmist fears in one moment, it seems. He asks, how long, O Lord, will you look on? God is intentional. He even takes up his own armor to avenge, to fight for his people. After all, even the armor of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians is God's armor. When we think about God fighting for his people, we recognize God being rescuer, advocate. Derek Kidner comments that the psalmist calls on God to rescue him, and since he is otherwise defenseless in the fact of eyewitness testimony, although the setting is the courtroom, the psalm can encourage any who are falsely accused, whether in or outside of a courtroom. And so, this psalm gives hope to our sorrows. And he says, continues Kidner, as we read the psalm in the light of Jesus' life, we certainly see him as someone who was falsely accused and convicted. Uh, what a wonderful news that God continued to show that rescue, that advocacy. God didn't rescue Jesus from the cross, but he rescued him from the power, through the power of the resurrection. Ultimately, we are not our own avengers. God is. And why does David want deliverance ultimately that others can praise the Lord as well, to see his greatness and that his praise would last all the day long? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being our righteous judge and also being our advocate, standing in our defense, pleading for us, giving us access to mercy when we deserve the judges judgment ourselves. Father, forgive us. Help us to walk in the path of blessing, to avoid destruction and to seek justice, to pray for restoration, for peace, for righteousness, that truth and love would be evident in our lives, that we would seek the good of others, the joy of others, the life of others, that we would love our enemies and also seek the good and the welfare of our neighbors. And we ask for your work in this, your deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Called to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calledtowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.